Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz, and I am so happy to welcome you back to another episode. Today, I spoke with Marissa Zeppieri of The Lupus Chick. A short little bio about Marissa. Like many of all of us, chronic illness and trauma has thrown her into the lion's pit more times than she can remember. Five small strokes, 35 plus hospitalizations, PTSD, brain injury, heart complications, pulmonary embolism, chemo, brain aneurysm, everything you can think of. And today, Marissa took us through her journey as well as what brought her to write her book, Chronically Fabulous, which I know you all are going to love. We talked all about her story with chronic illness, trauma, as well as what made her start Lupus Chick and also what made her decide to write her book, Chronically Fabulous, and why we think all of you guys are going to absolutely love it. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Chronically Healing Podcast so you never miss an episode ever again. Make sure that you leave us a review. It helps us grow. But without further ado, let's jump into Marissa's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and today I have Marissa Zeppieri on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you and to chat all things your life. Um, I know that lupus is a big piece of that. And then you also have a book coming out. Um, Actually, it'll be out when this podcast is live. So I'm excited to talk about all of those things. But why don't we jump right in? Why don't you kind of tell people who are you and why, why, um, what am I trying to say? Why are you on the podcast? And what do you want to, what do you want to chat about today? Sure. <laughs> so I am Marissa Zeppieri. A lot of people online know me uh, by lupus check, not mm. my regular name. <laughs> I've actually had lupus for, well, diagnosed uh, 20 years. I got diagnosed when I was 23. I probably have had lupus though, since I was about eight. Mm. And for anyone that isn't aware, uh, lupus is a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disease. The easiest way for me to describe it is basically my body attacks itself. Mm. And it usually goes after specific organs. Uh, Every case of lupus, they say is different. So I know so many people that have lupus and I haven't really met one person that deals with the exact same organ involvement or symptoms that I do. Mm. It's it's kind of wild how much it varies. Um, But so I started Lupus Chick like 13 years ago and that now is a nonprofit and a platform really for anyone with chronic illness, not just Mm. lupus. Um, you know, whether they have autoimmune disease or not. And it was through that platform that my memoir, Chronically Fabulous, sort of uh, took flight. Yeah, I love that. So can you tell a little bit about your story with lupus? Like how did, what it, what did it look like for you? How did you get diagnosed? Like that kind of starting story of it? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I was really sick since I was little. So I feel like we my family and I have always known like something is off Mm -hmm. and, but this was like going back in the eighties. I'm in my forties now. So in the eighties, I had never heard of lupus. You know, I was in the doctor. I feel like I was in the doctor's office all the time and no one ever said like, wow, she's got rashes or she can't be in the sun or she's complaining of pain and fatigue at eight years old. Like maybe we should test further. (laughs) Um, it was always sort of brushed off as she's not a healthy child. You know, she has asthma. She doesn't have a great immune system. She just, you know, she's just needs to take, you have to be a little bit more like gentle with her and take extra care of her. Right. Right. So 
for many people, uh, like the average diagnosis is anywhere between like three or six years because lupus mimics so many other diseases. And, and oftentimes someone will go to the doctor and be like, I'm really tired, which is obviously a vague symptom. It could be mm-hmm. of so many different diseases. And then the next time they go in, they could say, I have this weird rash. But if it's hard at times, if all of these things aren't happening at once, right. uh, for it to be pinpointed, but so, you know, I made it through uh, my teenage years. I was sick, college years. I went to school to be a nurse. And then right at the end of my college uh, journey, I lived in Fort Lauderdale at the time. And I got run over by a pickup truck uh, driven by a drunk driver when I was crossing the street. Oh my gosh. And I spent about a year in recovery and in rehab. And it was during that time that a lot of autoimmune diseases those symptoms get expressed when there's a major trigger and getting hit by the truck was mine. So all of those weird symptoms I had now came out within three weeks and uh, they sent, you know, all these different doctors, infectious disease, rheumatology into the hospital room. And I literally got tested for everything under the the sun, even being in nursing school, stuff I'd never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I got my diagnosis of lupus. What, and then what, prompted you to start lupus chick? Was it this diagnosis or did it take like a few years before you did that? It definitely took a few years. Um, so 23 is when I got hit and I got the diagnosis. 23 was a very bad year. Oh no, (laughs) That year was gone. And then I'd say, you know, 24 to like 27, I struggled a lot. I was in and out of the hospital. The lupus was out of control. Like, I didn't know if I was coming or going. I felt very isolated just because I couldn't work. Um, I couldn't go back to school. My family, thank God, you know, took care of me. And I was trying to sort of figure out how to get the disease somewhat under control so that I could go back to living. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really tell anyone that I had it just because in the beginning I did. And when people hear of something that they are not familiar with, or they can actually see it on you, mm-hmm. I was met with a lot of, you know, is this contagious? if I kiss you, am I going to get it? And I just felt so uh, almost embarrassed that I was like, okay, I'm just not going to tell anyone. Right. Right. And then, you know, as years went on, all of a sudden, all these blogs started to pop up. I don't know if you remember blogger, like back in the day, I'm going back way back. (laughs) And I just felt like here I am in this city of over a million people. And I only know one other person with lupus. There has to be people out there that are just as like frustrated and alone as I feel as alone as I do. Mm-hmm. And so let me just start a little blog and maybe I can meet some people. Like I never, ever expected for it to become what it became. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that this, like, I think nowadays everybody is like, Oh, I can just start a blog. I can start a YouTube channel. I can start an Instagram, a TikTok, all these things. And I can connect with people, which is amazing. But like, even like five years ago, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a thing. So even longer before I know I've been blogging kind of on and off for like 10 years and like blogs used to be the way that you connected with people. And, and I feel like that's such a great way to, like you said, especially because there wasn't really platforms talking about people with chronic illness with invisible illness of any kind. So even people who didn't have lupus, I'm sure were like, Oh, someone is talking about this. It's not just me. Cause it's not like, I feel like today you can literally see, you can type in one word and find hundreds of people with whatever you're dealing with, but it, it wasn't the same before. 
No, it was difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, like blogging was kind of the way. And mm-hmm. even with that, it took a long time. And I always tell right. people, because they'll reach out and they'll be like, I want to advocate like you do, or I want to start a page. And I'm like, go for it. Just don't right. expect don't expect it to happen overnight. And it mm-hmm. is a constant, constant like work. I mean, you're, you're going to be building and working all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you have to balance that with how do you feel and not like working yourself to the point where you're making yourself more sick. Exactly. I I feel that way actually with this podcast sometimes too, where I'm like, I love this podcast. I love coming on here and getting to talk to people and like share their stories and connect with other people similar to me. But at the same time, I feel like with chronic illness, it's so up and down. Like earlier today, I had zero energy. Thankfully, I'm like an extrovert. So usually when I come on these, I'll kind of like pop off and I'll be good again. But like, it's, it's a lot of work for anyone to start anything. But then when you, you know, are someone with chronic illness or invisible illness, you also have to take into account, like you want to start something because you love it and put time into it, but also understand that you need to set boundaries with it. How's that been for you? Have you had to set like boundaries at all? Or I'm sure you've been doing it for a while. So maybe it's a little bit more comfortable, but yeah, I, I would say the last two years I there's something about going into your 40s which is funny when I was younger I was like oh my gosh 40s they seem it seems so far away and so old (laughs) and now I'm like my 40s have been amazing so far and I feel like you really come into yourself and you can kind of see like you're more comfortable with yourself right and I've become very comfortable now with saying no like my time is so precious to me right now and there's times I'm exhausted I'm also a caregiver you know, I'm also a spouse. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a lot of people that live in my house and they depend on me and it's like, okay, I'm going to use my time the best that I can. I can't mm-hmm. make everyone happy. I'm probably not going to be able to get back to every email and every message. Cause we're on like four different platforms. Right. And I just have to be okay with knowing I did the best that I can today and tomorrow's another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in those first few years, I like ran myself ragged. I couldn't like sleep at night if I didn't respond to everyone right away or give them Mm -hmm. the information that they needed. And I think that I probably harmed myself multiple times in the process and stressed myself out to the point where I flared Mm -hmm. and anything. It's not just lupus check, just life in general, people I meet, uh, jobs. If anything gets me to the point where it is like sucking the life out of me or stressing me out or causing me physical symptoms, I have no problem at this point in my life, cutting that out immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. What are, I mean, that's a good lifestyle change that I think a lot of us have to learn how to make, but what are some other lifestyle changes or things that you've added to your life to, to help not only with how you're feeling with lupus, but just as a person and to take care of yourself? There's definitely been a couple of things that have stuck with me now. Uh, One is, you know, with lupus or just autoimmune disease in general, the more I learned about it, the more I researched, we have a really high incidence of allergies as well, which is all tied to your immune system sort of on overdrive. Mm -hmm. And so working with like an allergist and an ENT and really figuring out what I have problems with and what foods I have issues with so that I can feed myself the way I need to. Mm -hmm. Um, I pretty much cook everything from scratch. I do a lot of supplements, like those things over the years have 
I'd say given me more energy, but also helped me lower some of my medication doses. Mm. And that's why, like, I don't like to say this is the diet you need to follow for chronic illness or autoimmune disease. It's very personal and it takes a long time. So I always tell people to journal everything while you're going through the process so that you can find your own like triggers and whatnot. Um, sleep is essential for me. So I'm very protective of that. And, you know, I've figured out like what works for me. Is it melatonin? Is it, you know, medical marijuana? Like what I, cause if I don't sleep, I flare. And when I flare, I'm in the hospital and I'm good to no one. Um, and then like music and art therapy are probably two of my go-tos and, uh, yoga and I love massage, but Mm. some people can't do massage, you know? So maybe acupuncture is, is better for them. I really think it's about exploring as much as you can and taking copious notes, which is why I love journaling and figuring out what works for you. What, like, you're going to make your own battle plan. That's what I tell people. And I talk about it in my book. It's like, it's sort of like your war plan. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I think like, well, so the word nourish was a word that I really wanted to focus on for this year, because I felt like when it came to my body and my own health, I, you know, I was like, oh, I have to do this diet. I have to do this thing because this person's telling me to, or this doctor's telling me to, or this book, this book tells me to eat vegan. This book tells me that anyone with thyroid issues shouldn't eat vegan, you know? So it was all this stuff. And I'm like, how can I reframe this mindset to like nourish my body with food, with new, um, nutrition, obviously, but with like lifestyle. And I love that you're talking about different things like massage or acupuncture or like looking into other things that can, that can help you for me. Therapy, just talk therapy has been super helpful. Um, I've done acupuncture a little bit, but I've also done, um, like float tanks. Have you ever, uh, so I did that once and that was like life changing for me, but it's crazy how much just like nourishing more than just your physical body can be really helpful for anyone, but especially those of us dealing with chronic health issues. I absolutely agree. And it's so funny that you said that because that was the title of my book and they changed it at the last minute. It was nourish because when I, I sold the book, I sold it on the angle of bringing ourselves different levels of healing through our spiritual self, our physical self, our emotional self, there's different ways that we can nourish each one of those, Mm -hmm. but we have to find for ourselves, like, what is the one that, that clicks? What is the one that brings us the most benefits? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like you were mentioning, like I tell people, because I, I deal with definitely with anxiety and I don't think that any, I don't haven't met one person with chronic illness that that doesn't right. Cause we're constantly wondering what's going on in our body. So there's things like Headspace and the Calm app. Um, Mm -hmm. I think talk therapy and counseling is amazing. And obviously now like there's so much that you can do via Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, Float tanks are incredible. I think silence is very healing to the body. I talk about it in my book. There's so much research behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's more healing to the body than listening to meditation music or relaxation music. And, you know, I think things like salt caves, I always tell people about Mm -hmm. salt caves, they're very healing, especially if you have like autoimmune issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there's a lot of things out there that you can try. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also stepping back and even the things that are around you, the people that are around you, your career, like when you're not feeling right and like checking in on your emotions, how is this making me feel? How is this relationship with this person? Is it always 
you know, sort of ten- attention or do they bring me joy? Like you have to really pay close attention because every single thing that's around you is affecting your body in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think with that getting over the one thing that I've learned in the last year, I'm still learning is getting over the guilt of that. So a lot of it is not necessarily, I mean, there can be guilt with when you have to end a relationship in your life or, you know, maybe back off from a friend or something like that. But even with my previous job that I was at, I knew that it was toxic for me, but I was having a really hard time as someone who had been conditioned, you know, for 10 years in the workplace to be like a hard worker, very productive, very type A, like my job was my life. It was hard because I was like, I used to be able to do this. I can't do it anymore. Or, you know, my coworker is under the same amount of stress and she's still functioning. Why am I having panic attacks? Why am I, why is this toxic to me? And it was like guilt, a little bit of like, embarrassment, I guess, of just like, why can't I do this? And I had to like move past that and think through that too, of just like, it doesn't matter how it's affecting anybody else. It doesn't even matter if someone with the exact same autoimmune disease is going through the exact same thing as me and feels differently. It doesn't matter because how does it feel for you? You know? And I think getting over that, like guilt is, is important. I think, and this is where I think like counseling and talk therapy really is helpful, but I think every single one of us that gets diagnosed and struggles with the illness every day, there is a guilt factor and there's a grieving process. And that doesn't necessarily just one day it's like, okay, I'm, I'm all done with that. I went through it and I'm going to wrap it up now in a pretty bow and it's over. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, we, I think we have these longer stretches as time goes on because we start to become more comfortable um, with what our life is like now and what we're able to do versus when we have to stop and rest. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know in the beginning it is so frustrating because it's hard for us as humans to not go back and compare ourselves to what we were able to do before. Mm -hmm. And we want to run at that speed all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But Now I try to look at it as my body is trying so hard to keep up with what I am. I'm my like mentally what I want to do. And I, I almost like, I just have so much more compassion for it now because I'm like this, my body has been through so much. Yes. And I want to help her. I want to nourish her. I don't want to run her into the ground anymore. And like, she's every day, she's just battling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to like attack her anymore. I know for me personally, um, I've dealt with a lot of weight issues with my thyroid stuff. So I have a really hard time because I'll look back at photos from four, three or four years ago where I look entirely different. And I, I noticed myself not even consciously kind of, as soon as I see photos like that, starting to pick myself apart and just be like, but my body now is going through such a different thing than she was, you know, at that time I was in a very happy job. I was in a very carefree part of my life where I didn't have many responsibilities, um, besides just, you know, keeping myself alive, (laughs) but like, but like now I like live in a different part of the country. I have a husband, I have a dog. I have like Um, I had a really, really toxic, bad job and it was hard on my body. It took a lot of, um, 
a lot of just good health out of myself. And I think just not even, yeah, just being able to give yourself compassion, even comparing yourself to who you used to be, even if you're going through flares or whatever, it's really important. It is. And it's, you know, it's natural. Like we compare ourselves to what we were in the past right. and how, why did we have so much energy back then? And I could have plowed through this all I could have gotten it done in one day. Now it takes me three weeks. Right. And then now we have the added pressure of we go online and it looks like everyone's doing all the things they have to do and they're getting it done immediately. And then they're, you know, working out and then they're traveling and then they're doing this and then they're rock climbing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I got a shower today. I'm going to go give myself a gold scar, a gold star, you know? And, um, it's so now I feel like we're bombarded constantly Mm -hmm. and we need to remember that, this is not, it's also, this is not reality. Right. Um, I had someone that reached out to me earlier uh, about a week ago and just said, I really wanted to talk to you about hair loss, but it looks like, you know, your hair is great. So never mind. Right. And I said to her, um, cause she had just found lupus check. I said, I've lost my hair three times because chemo is one of the most, you know, used drugs in lupus when your lupus is severe in a flare. Mm-hmm. And so I went through that regrowth process three times but you're just hitting me now on year 13, right? where it looks very different than year nine and 10, right? Right. Um, so we have to remember that when we see something that we don't know what it took for them to get to the place that they are right now. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, you just mentioned it before this morning, I was a mess. I have a little bit of energy now and I'll probably yeah. be sleeping for the rest of the day. So right. <laughs> we don't know what the rest of their, their day looks like. Right. And that is why I'm grateful for things like blogs and Instagram and things like that for those people who are trying to shed light on some of that as well. I don't know, like for me, I try to be as open without, you know, putting literally everything I'm doing all day on Instagram. Cause I don't think it's interesting, but like just showing people like, Hey, I, you know, I had this happen and now I've been like totally on the couch the rest of the afternoon or like my cycle starts this day. And this is usually the day that I can't, um, I can't like function moving forward. And I think it's important to just like sharing reality. Um, but understanding that most people online probably aren't sharing reality, not out of trying to like fool you, but just out of they don't, you know, they don't want to share when they're not feeling well. So, right. So that's just important to remember, but so why don't we dive in a little bit about your book? We've kind of touched about it on it a little bit, but can you tell us a little bit more about what brought you to write the book? And then we can dive into what it's about. Yeah. So I, I would say about 10 years ago, you know, I really got the idea of, I love memoir and I thought, okay, that is my ultimate goal at you know, one point I was a journalist for 13 years mm. and then I did some ghost writing for some publishing companies and I really kind of got in the book world. And I just, I love books. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised with my grandmother. We like lived in the local library, you know, and just love to read. So I got the idea for the memoir, which is my favorite genre. And, but I felt like it wasn't time. So I would just take notes throughout the year the years. And then, you know, as I got to learn more about the publishing world about three years ago, I finally felt like I'm at a place where I'm very comfortable with the fact that, you know, I have this chronic illness. I've learned like what my triggers are. I I can offer good advice now. 
or at least I just feel like I'm at a steady place Mm -hmm. and I wanted something where here's all of my experiences. Here's where I failed. Here are the things that worked for me. Here's how my faith got me through times when I felt like I was going to lose my mind. Mm. Um, And it isn't a manual, but it's a, it's pages of hope of like, these are the the things that worked and the lessons I want to share so that you can somehow find your own, you know, battle plan and, and your own routine and the things that work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I approached the publisher, you know, it did have a lot about lupus uh, and they were interested in that, but then we sort of worked together to be able to open it up to anyone with chronic illness or even trauma. Cause I talk mm-hmm. about getting hit by the truck in the beginning. Right. And the reason that was so important to me was most of the people that I talked to with autoimmune disease or chronic illness can link their major symptoms back to some type of traumatic event, whether it was lose, you know, a miscarriage, um, a physical, physical trauma, like a car accident or even, you know, unfortunately like sexual trauma or, right. or things like that abuse, um, a really bad infection. So there was something major mm-hmm. and that's why I felt like, okay, we have to have the, the trauma aspect in here, but it should be for anyone with chronic illness and it should be different ways for them to find hope. Mm. Yes. I love that. And I think too, um, with, the trauma thing was actually interesting that you brought that up. That was hard for me because I was like, well, I didn't have anything traumatic. I wasn't hit by a car. I wasn't thankfully, like I never had anything, um, sexually happen to me or anything like that. But sometimes trauma shows up differently for, for all of us. And it can be something that, that might not seem quote unquote that bad, but it was for you. It was based on how you were brought up, the type of person you are, the type of anxiety style you have, like all that kind of stuff. And I think too, remembering that it could be something like, like you mentioned, like getting sick. I think for me, I got, um, when like H1N1 was going or the swine flu, like when that went crazy years ago, I got really, really sick with that. And like my symptoms started the next year. So I think that was like probably my trigger, but, but yeah. So anyway, that's just an interesting point that I like to bring up because I had a hard time in therapy when my therapist would be like, Oh, that was a traumatic event for you. And I was like, trauma to me is like, again, like extremely bad trauma, but it can also be from other things. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, what is traumatic to me, like you might be able to handle and and really right. like move past quickly and not really think about again. But for me, it, you know, it's something that I have to work through. It's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just even relationships, like, you know, I've had yeah. people just say, you know, I, I went through a divorce and then all of a sudden I had these weird symptoms, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be something as wild and, you know, Jerry Springer-ish as, <laughs> hey, I got to buy a drunk driver. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, and that's why I think it's also really important through the years when you have a diagnosis that you recognize what can trigger your symptoms. Because I know for me, like, if I'm very stressed out for some reason, when I cry, my symptoms go crazy. And I think it's Mm. because I'm obviously I'm putting stress on my body. Now I'm not a big crier. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that when I do, like when my father passed, you know, just my symptoms went out of control. Um, so then it's like, okay, now I have to really learn how to like regulate my emotions Mm -hmm. 
Um, not easy when you're on prednisone and, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to make myself more sick. Right. Um, so there's really like a, a balancing act. It's, it's a constant balancing act. That's what I feel like we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in balancing, like it changes even within your own symptoms, like something that could have, that used to throw you into a flare, maybe won't in the future or vice versa. And it's just, that's where it's important. Like you had mentioned before, and we were talking about like nourishing your body, cherishing your body, like really taking the time to get to know yourself and what feels good and what doesn't feel good will be helpful as you continue to balance throughout your life. Yeah. Like you said, you, something that you said earlier really stood out. Like, and I had made a video about it years ago. My doctor never told me when I was, you know, first diagnosed, Hey, you know, for most women right before their menstrual cycle, they get an increase of symptoms and they can't even really get out of bed. Right. So here I am, you know, like the week before and I'm a disaster. And it wasn't until I was journaling that I'm like, okay, I know four or five days before don't schedule anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm basically just going to be in bed. That's it. And I just have to like sort of have everything prepared, my food and whatnot beforehand, because I can't do much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until actually talking to people in the community that I was like, wow, this is a thing that a lot of women are going through. And now I'm in this new phase of life with chronic illness where I have early menopause. So I don't get mm-hmm. these weird things every month anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like in one way, it, I and I and I I've met older women with lupus through the years, and they told me that menopause was actually like a life changing moment for them because their disease activity actually got much less because oh, of wow. that hormonal p- component. And so I'm like, okay, so this is interesting. I don't have the monthly weirdness anymore, but then you get the weirdness that comes along with just menopause in general. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you go through all these cycles and then it's sort of like relearning all over again. Okay. What's this? Yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen with this? Where is this coming from? Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, it's hard and it, you know, it sucks sometimes, but it's really helpful to, I'm like, I feel grateful sometimes that I'm so much more aware of my own self and what I need than I was in my twenties. Like <laughs> I had, you know, I had no idea. I was like, I'm going to work out at 5am. I'm going to eat a bunch of crap all the time. And, you know, but keep it within a calorie goal and I'll be perfect. And now I'm like, what were you doing? <laughs> like, you know, so it's, but it's just helpful to be able to, to try to learn more about yourself. And I'm, I'm grateful that chronic illness has given me that. And the time that I've been forced to really understand what I need and how I feel so that I can, you know, keep myself going. Absolutely. I do think that, um, you know, and it is something that I share in chronically fabulous, like there's such an evolution when after you're diagnosed and then through the years, I'm I'm going on, you know, over two decades now, Mm -hmm. I'm not the same person I was at 23, but I do know that I'm more patient. I'm more compassionate with people. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think I always had, I think that's why I wanted to be a nurse, but I can understand them on a different level. And I'm more compassionate with myself. I'm more patient with myself, which I used to not be. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you know, dealing with lupus for so many years, I think really helped like refine things within me, which I don't know if that would have happened without this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like, I've talked to a few other people on the podcast who have said similar things of just like, you just, 
you can give compassion a lot easier to people that are reacting in a certain way because you don't know what they're going through. Like maybe, you know, I am a super outgoing bubbly person, but like when I don't feel well, I am none of those things. And I probably come across as like very shy or like even like kind of (laughs) bitchy and I'm not, but it's just like in that moment, I don't feel well. And I am in my own world of like trying to deal with what's going on in here. So it's, even when I'm like out and about and someone's not super nice to me or something like that, I feel like most of the time I can usually be a little bit more compassionate and be like, I have no idea what they're going through. Cause I probably would have acted like that yesterday. So yeah, absolutely. No, you're yeah. right. It's really, it is definitely, I it's opening and it makes us stop and maybe not react as quickly. It's like, okay, maybe they, you know, are in like a level 10 pain that I was in a couple right. days ago. And if you would have talked to me, you would have thought like, I just had lost my mind, right? you know? And then right. the next day I'm not in pain and I'm like, Hey, let's go do something, you know? <laughs> right. I know my poor husband is like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just don't, you just tell me how you're feeling and we'll go from there. Yeah, exactly. I don't try to plan too far in advance. I always tell people every day is an adventure. It's like, you know, well, so what do you think about tomorrow? I'm like, I won't know until I wake up tomorrow. Right. Right. So what, what are you most excited about for people to get their hands on your book? What are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I think, you know, so I've actually gotten some feedback the last couple of weeks because Amazon really decided on their own that they were going to release it a month early. No, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I've actually had strangers reach out and they don't necessarily all have chronic illness. Mm. Uh, some are just going through a really hard time in their life. Some have family members with chronic illness. But the cool thing to see is that they're all able to take something away from the book and they're letting me know these these sections of the book that really stood out to them. Mm. And that's really exciting to me because I, I guess I sort of pigeonholed the book of like, okay, it's going to be more for people with autoimmune disease or chronic illness, Mm. but it's already reaching like beyond that. And I feel like part of me with that is the last 20 years of suffering is going to be worth something. Like, I Mm. feel like I'm able to at least help other people that, you know, if I'm only on this earth for whatever, uh, a couple more years or however long it is, like, I feel like I've, I've done something with this and through this, despite the fact that I've suffered for so long in in order to help other people. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say like, I thought that would come through nursing. I thought Mm -hmm. with nursing, I was going to be able to help everyone. I know I wanted to do the mercy ships and Peace Corps and all these different things to go around and help people. But, you know, God worked it out in a way that I think he knew, like, this is how I was built and this is how I always wanted to be and help others. But I did it through a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Through sharing your own story and allowing people to to connect with pieces of that, with whichever, whatever part was like felt um, true to them, but it's like allowing people to connect via your own story, which I think is really powerful. And it, it helps people feel so much less alone when they know that there's other people out there that have gone through similar things, worse things, less worse things, you know, and I think that, I think it's going to be great. And I'm excited to read it myself. Where can people purchase it because it will be live once this goes out. 
Oh, yeah. So chronic, just type in Chronically Fabulous on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, you can go to lupustrick.com. It's right there at the top. You can go to my publisher, Broadleaf Books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depending on where, which outlet you go to, for some reason, like some of them are having different prices or different like sales. So who knows right. what it will be like the day after the book goes live. The official launch date is May 4th. Perfect. Love that. So how can people connect with you if they want to find out more about you or follow you on Instagram? What is your handle? So we're lupus chick official on Instagram and lupus chick on Facebook. And then everything's linked on lupuschick.com. Perfect. Is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? I just want to encourage people and just remind them like, you know, whether it's a diagnosis, a disability or some kind of label that the world likes to throw on us and definition that it gives us like that does not ultimately define who we are. Mm -hmm. And if you're at the beginning of the journey and you still have so many goals and you're terrified that you might not be able to do any of them, or it just looks like it's, it's never going to happen. I just want to remind people that seasons change and you're still so capable of doing all of the things you want. It's just, being patient and remembering, like, it may not look like you originally designed and it may take a little bit longer than you thought, but it's still possible. Yeah. Yeah. I love that message. Thank you so much for being on today. And I can't wait for everybody to get your book and come on over to, to let you know how, what they think of it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap on today's episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure you come over to Instagram and tell me how much you enjoyed today's episode. My handle is jesse underscore underscore fritz, which you can always find on my website or in the show notes. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. I know I say this all the time, but it's super helpful in helping the podcast grow and getting the types of people that you want to hear from on the podcast. So thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.